The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Greetings, scribes. I just want to kick off the show with a quick shout out and thank you to the sponsors of this week's episode, a fantastic team over at Podcorn. Authors, bloggers, and content virtuosos, I know you've dreamt of the day you could level up your podcast through monetization. Well, Podcorn was created with your aspirations in mind. Podcorn's an equitable marketplace that connects podcasters just like you and me with tons of motivated podcast sponsorship opportunities, including host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and way more. And the best part about it is that there's no middleman, so podcasts with any audience size can find opportunities on the platform, set their own rates, and speak and work directly with brands. Podcorn is all about transparency, creative freedom, and the security of knowing you'll be compensated for any promotional work you do. So it's only up to you how and when you monetize. Give Podcorn a look, even if you're just starting to think about monetizing your podcast. Simply click the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing all of their great sponsorship opportunities today. And so it all started really right after the 2016 presidential election with a letter from Alison Hawthorne Deming. And she had written this letter in response, basically saying, listen, there's a lot going on. Um, and a lot of us are really down. A lot of those of progressive nature who care about culture, community, environment, art. And um, what we do, and I'm just going to quote her real quickly, is think of the great spirit of inventiveness the earth calls forth after each major disturbance it suffers. Be artful, inventive, and just, my friends, but do not be silent. And mm. that really rang true with me. Do not be silent. As soon as she submitted that letter to us to publish in terrain.org, I knew that this was more than just a single letter from a single author. Hey there, you're tuned into The Writer Files, and I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, praying that you're doing as well as can be. This week, editor-in-chief of terrain.org, Simmons Button, helped me celebrate the 50th anniversary of Earth Day by discussing why we need strong writing voices now more than ever, how to deal with the current infodemic of misinformation, and resources for starting your own revolution. Simmons has a master's degree in urban regional planning and an MFA in creative writing, so it's no surprise that he found the intersection of the built and natural environments, something he calls the soul of place. As the editor-in-chief of terrain.org, 
a nonprofit literary magazine that explores just that. He publishes works that examine how our environment influences us in profound ways. He's also the co-editor of a new collection titled Dear America, Letters of Hope, Habitat, Defiance, and Democracy, described as a patriotic anthology that includes hundreds of writers, poets, artists, scientists, and political activists of all ages. The more than 130 impassioned letters to America are calls to action for common ground and conflict resolution with a focus on the environment and social justice. Lauded author and environmentalist Bill McKibben said of the book, these letters come from a deep, real love of this place. We need a series of miracles looking forward, and this is one. In this file, Simmons and I discussed how he became the editor-in-chief of Terrain.org, the origin story of the Dear America letter, and why bringing together so many impassioned writing voices is vital to our planet right now. How the 2020 U.S. presidential election will have a huge impact on climate change and democracy, why we need to question the direction of our nation and our part as patriots, and why it's more important than ever to be active, not passive. Stay safe. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Also, The Writer Files is now available on Alexa because Apple Podcasts are available on Alexa-enabled Amazon devices in the United States. Now all you have to do is say... Alexa, play the writer files on Apple Podcasts, and she'll probably grant your wish. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the writer files. Thanks so much for joining us once again for a pandemic uh, edition of the show. And um, yeah, these are some very interesting times. Of course, um, a lot of us are are going through some challenges and, and some more than others. And, you know, I thought uh, this would be a fantastic time to chat with our esteemed guest today, Simmons Bunton. Uh, thanks for popping on here today, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I can't wait to wrap with you just about kind of all things, of course, writing and, and the writing life. This fantastic uh, collection that um, you had the privilege to of course, edit and with some of your courts there at terrain.org. But yeah, let's, let's talk about, um, how you're doing at this time. Uh, how are things there in Arizona? You know, uh, it's spring, it's beautiful outside. And as long as I keep my social distance, right. Uh, it's okay. I haven't had a chance to, um, really get out into the wilderness too much, but taking walks around the neighborhood with my dogs, uh, has helped keep me sane from all of the otherwise zoom meetings i seem to be in lately <laughs> yeah the zoom meetings are uh are definitely proliferating and um i thought uh that saturday night live did a did a pretty funny send up of uh the zoom meeting um parody which was uh i don't know if you got a chance to see it but they did their at home edition um which you know was all the actors at home of course uh, pretending to be in an office meeting, um, and it was pretty ridiculous. Right, yeah, I think that show, Stephen Colbert, those are really keeping us sane. 
Um, there's plenty to talk about today uh, regarding staying sane and, and obviously um, this is a very, very interesting time in history. But yeah, let's go back a little bit, turn back the clock on your history a little bit as a writer and this interesting intersection of, you know, kind of where you came from with, you know, uh, urban and uh, regional planning to, you know, creative writing and beyond. And, and of course, the work you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess everything started back in the mid 1990s. I used to work for the U.S. Department of Energy and uh, entered a graduate program in ur- urban and regional planning at the University of Colorado at Denver. Originally went in there to study energy planning and management, given my my work with a department, but really fell in love with urban design and uh, a new town planning uh, movement called New Urbanism. And uh, a buddy and I, who was also in the program, figured, well, it'd be kind of cool to start an online magazine from that. Uh, we wanted to do something print, but we had neither money nor experience. So we started an online journal, which is terrain.org, and it used to have the subtitle, A Journal of the Built and Natural Environments. But we wanted something that wasn't just about place in a technical sense. We wanted something that really combined literature and technical work. So terrain.org, of course, has evolved over the last 22 years that it's been online, but has always included poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, as well as articles, interviews, what we call the unsprawl case study which is a community case study and um, art terrain editorials. So it's a pretty good mix and has really launched me in my own writing career as well as certainly as an editor. Right, which brings us to this uh, incredible anthology that uh, you had the uh, privilege to edit. And it's titled Dear America, Letters of Hope, Habitat, defiance and democracy. So tell us a little bit about how terrain.org became kind of this, uh, you know, fertile ground for um, what we're calling a, a patriotic anthology with a collection of hundreds of writers, including poets, artists, scientists, political activists, uh, including Pulitzer Prize winner Elizabeth Rush, National Book Award winner Arthur Z. Am I pronouncing that correctly? That is correct, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, tell us how, how terrain.org became the home for this, this incredible um, collection of work. Well, it, it, it's interesting because I used to not think of terrain.org as an environmental journal per se, because that imbues politics to me when we say environmental. I always call us a place-based journal, and we are, but certainly with our Letter to America series, which is how this all started, we've become a very political um, publication. And so it all started really right after the 2016 presidential election with a letter from Allison Hawthorne Deming, who is a friend of ours at terrain.org, and she had written this letter in response basically saying, listen, there's a lot going on, um, and a lot of us are really down, a lot of us of progressive nature who care about culture, community, environment, art. And um, what we do, and I'm just going to quote her real quickly, is think of the great spirit of inventiveness the earth calls forth after each major disturbance it suffers. Be artful, inventive, and just, my friends, 
but do not be silent. And that really rang true with me. Do not be silent. As soon as she submitted that letter to us to publish in terrain.org, I knew that this was more than just a single letter from a single author. And so we solicited Derek Sheffield, our poetry editor, Elizabeth Dodd, our nonfiction editor, and I solicited work from a number of previous terrain.org contributors, other artists and thinkers and architects and scientists and politicians we knew to generate a response to keep things going. And when we had her letter, uh, that's that really served as that call to others to submit. And so we published several of the letters actually daily through the end of the year in 2016, and then about three a week for most of the following year. And since then, all in all, we've published about 180 letters online. And we knew really a few months after this that we had something that spoke to a larger uh, universal concern, uh, at least in America, but really, I think, globally, especially with climate change. And so uh, we had been thinking about an anthology for uh, a while, but it wasn't until, I don't know, about a year ago that we really sat down and said, well, what would an anthology look like? What components would be there? What kind of mix of letters? And when I say letters, I don't just mean prose letters. I mean poetry, artwork, photography, strange rants on other things. Um, What might that look like? And then we sort of pieced together these sections and asked contributors previously, and then a lot of new writers whose work we didn't have in terrain.org, who we want to include in the anthology, the print version only. And that's what brought us Dear America. We found a wonderful publisher in Trinity University Press down at Trinity University in San Antonio. We've really collaborated closely with them. And Dear America isn't just going to end with this anthology. We have wonderful teaching resources, book club resources, discussion points online. We're going to put a lot of uh, video and um, audio online of contributors reading their work and other work in the book. And then we'll do a big launch on Earth Day. Uh, was going to be in person. Now it'll be virtual. Yeah. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Earth Day is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Right. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction, And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. I think, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you is just, because it is such a, to at least from my perspective, a, a very timely collection. It's very interesting, of course, that, you know, the genesis of it was the 2016 election and that letter that you received. But, you know, it kind of ignited something, this this incredible, obviously, outpouring of emotion and art, as you, as you mentioned, but, you know, how, how timely is it now? What, you know, what it, why is, why is this collection so just, uh, important for this very (laughs) weird and very different time in history? Because, you know, we are, you know, this is an election year in America, 2020 and you know what just talk about why this is important sure you know when we thought about the book and the narrative are going to drop the other shoe at some point you know trump may be impeached or he'll just quit and walk away because he's so frustrated um but that hasn't been the case right things continue to get worse if you believe in progressive values in America, and not just with overarching global warming, of course, but with the opening up of public lands for drilling um, and mineral extraction, with um, the way um, immigrants are treated at the border as they um, try to come into America, with um, the defunding of those things that many of us believe strongly in art, etc. So it just becomes more and more necessary to have a book. And of course, as we now are weeks and weeks into the pandemic, it seems more pointed than ever, really. And even though we don't have any pieces in the book itself on COVID-19 and how we're dealing with that as a society and social isolation, when we're obviously a very social species, we have published and are publishing several letters to America just about that online. And so, um, you know, the need continues. I mean, I guess it will always continue. We can always find concerns in the world, but particularly right now, as you said, in an election year, and it was so important for us to publish this book early on this year so that people could really use it as a a kind of a, um, I won't say guidebook, that's too much, but something to refer to to help them um, plant their thoughts and create something broader. And if, if I may, Jimmy Santiago Baca, who is not in the book, sent us a really wonderful quote. And he said, yeah. when you go to a book like this, Dear America, you carry it with you into war, onto the battlefield, into classrooms, because it's not just a book in the traditional sense. It's a tool to sharpen the dull mind, to see injustice where before you let it pass. It's a weapon to raise when others raise their rifles. You shake this book in their faces and tell them, this is who we are. This is what we've made. This is us and what we fight for and represent and will protect for our children's children. And I don't think I could actually say it better myself, even though hmm. I'm the editor. This is really 
a galvanizing book, we think, for this time in America. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the way you put that. And uh, yeah, that quote is incredibly powerful. I love that uh, that Joan Baez quote that uh, you have there as well. Right. Action is the antidote to despair. Another fantastic one. But But yeah, galvanizing. Really, really, really important, I think, right now because... You know, I mean, I think I was reading something just this morning about this this avalanche of of information that we're we're faced with, and how and and the percentage of Americans right now that not only distrust kind of uh, uh, you know just the media, but distrust the the facts of uh, about you know this this pandemic or. I'm not sure if you saw it. Um, I kind of want to pull it up because it's very, very weird. But it was something like 30% of Americans believe that the coronavirus was created in a lab or something to that effect. This is on CNN. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which a lab is, either in North Carolina or over in uh, Wuhan, China, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and and it's clearly false. But... Because of something called kind of this infodemic that we're faced with, you know, where there is so much misinformation out there, you know, and conspiracy theories abound, you know, how do, how do we, and of course, something like Dear America is, you know, not, not necessarily a call to arms, but as you put it, you know, just a galvanizing guidebook of, of voices that kind of just of reason, right? Mm-hmm. That we need now more than ever, I think. And, you know, I think the quote that I stuck, that stuck with me from that CNN piece was just that previous pandemics didn't unfold in an era when information travels faster than a virus. I think part of the challenge in America today is that that uh, infodemic, as you put it, which is a great word I hadn't heard and I love, um, is filling the void of leadership in America right now, at least from the president. And I don't want to spend much time talking about that. But uh, when you have somebody um, in that office who is knowingly promoting misinformation or withholding information, then um, what are people to do but sort of come up with their own information? Obviously, they should be turning um, to the media and the press and, and to science first and foremost, and of course, leaders of states are, and you know, New York's Governor Cuomo is a great example for that. Um, and so where this can fit in, I think, is sure, a little bit of the science. I mean, we have a, a wonderful piece by Diana Liverman, who is, you know, one of our leading U.S. scientists um, in uh, global change research. And we have Union of Concerned Scientists representatives in the book as well. But I think it's more about um, sort of measuring and responding to the kind of moral panic in America right now. Um, well, particularly a little bit before the pandemic, but but how we respond, how we use action to um, parallel the Joan Baez quote to make a difference, how we use literature and art. That's really what this is about. And, you know, as we publish those original letters online in terrain.org before we put the book together. I heard from a lot of people saying, this is really helping me deal with what's happening, this change that I, I feel like I cannot control. It's giving me 
a little sense of control, then I know others feel the same way and that um, I can sort of focus myself on, even if not action, at, at least um, kind of a response, you know, ideally in the community and, and beyond, but but from a literary perspective. And, that, and that's been wonderful to hear because it, it has treated us that way too. And if I can add one thing that's about when we solicited contributors or, or non-contributors, whomever, for the Letter to America series, they would often say, especially early on, right after the election, it's too painful, it's too hot, it's too sharp right now for me to respond. Hmm. And so our advice was don't write directly to it, write around it, write the periphery, write those things. I mean, we don't want to get into freshman composition, write those things you know versus what you don't know. But um, tell us a story. Start with that. Because it always comes back to storytelling, really, doesn't it? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I, I, you know, I think a lot about that. And I think in, in this day and age of the pandemic, it's really what are the stories we hear that, that can give us hope, but also, um, as, as we said earlier, galvanize us toward, well, ideally, you know, voting to make a difference, but otherwise not losing faith in ourselves and society. Yeah. Yeah. Not losing faith. An important, important piece right now and storytelling so powerful. Yeah. That is really what I, what I like so much about this collection and you can flip around and find, um, you know, some amazingly powerful poetry and then essays and letters and obviously, um, just some, some powerful voices and great reminders right now about, you know, what it is to, to be a true American and, and a patriot in a time of a complete <laughs> kind of, we're, we're living in this upside down alternate universe, right? We are. And of course we have for, for years lived in a universe where patriotism is defined as just simply flag waving. And this really gets to the heart of what patriotism is about. It isn't about flag waving. It's about questioning what we're doing as a nation, what we should be doing and relying on the tenets of the constitution and our, you know, sort of dispersed government system to ideally do the right thing. And so this really questions that, which I love. Yeah. So important right now. Yeah. I mean, I think I find it fascinating this, this moment that we're recording this in because there's so much pain and and suffering and questioning that it's almost overwhelming right so many of us are dealing with anxiety and and fear about the future um but also kind of looking back right at the at maybe mistakes made but also you know like how can we change this future and, and and everyone's being forced to literally take a deep breath and or hold their breath while you know the pandemic kind of basically holds everything in stasis right well i know what you mean i mean there's never been a time like this in the history of the world and we say wait a minute there have been pandemics before of course but yeah but not when you have the information available and you have that sort of constant heavy blanket especially i think for the younger generation of global climate change. It is, I mean, these are perilous times. And yet, um, I think using the book as an example, there are voices who can help guide us through these perilous times. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that, and that's what I was getting at. And thank you for picking up that thread. It is that we are seeing the concentric <laughs> circles of multiple crises, if I'm expressing that properly. So mm-hmm. we have a financial crisis, a health crisis, on top of, a, of our climate crisis, a student debt crisis. <laughs> Throw another one on the fire. Simmons. Well, the the curse prevails, right? May we live in interesting times. But yeah, so may you live in interesting times being the uh, the operative there. And these are just just uh, bizarre times. Um, but yeah, so so many crises meet, meeting in this one place. And so, you know, the wor- world freezes in, in fear of this... Um, awful disease that's spreading like wildfire. And of course we're seeing, uh, I mean, in addition to this amazing development of, uh, (laughs) clearing skies over India, right. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, far less pollution and, and species of uh, animals returning to habitats where they weren't previously, uh, scene is pretty pretty interesting it's like oh a glimpse of a glimpse of what a glimpse of a maybe a future that we could work toward yeah i think so you know um pam houston uh who's a wonderful person and writer has a piece in here um and she says in that a lot of us have had the good fortune of living in this beautiful country in the improbable democracy without being asked to participate fully in its care. Now we have been given the opportunity to fight for our freedoms. Now we have been given a mandate to lead more radically meaningful lives. And I think those things you just pointed to, uh, the clearing skies and and sort of a, a glimpse of uh, a truer, more beautiful, more sustainable life, uh, I think we can combine those two things. Yeah, that's really interesting. And of course, you know, we have a... Uh an administration that's taken certain liberties to, um, you know, undo important legislation in, in the, you know, kind of working the opposite direction, um, as if a stranglehold on this, uh, you know, this kind of old guard and, and fossil fuel industry and, and again, interesting times. Uh, lots to unpack there, but uh, yeah, let's talk about this upcoming election. And um, of course, I'm going to point to all the places, uh, terrain.org and um, the Dear American Anthology uh, link over there. Um, I'll link to the book. And uh, yeah, what, what else do you want to point listeners at for resources, first of all, before we kind of talk about um, this segue to the election and, and, you know, the importance of, uh, getting out to vote and whatnot. Sure. Well, um, before we get into the resources, I do want to say one more thing if I can about Dear America, which is, or, or the, maybe the state of America, which is the concerns that have been raised, uh, in the book and otherwise, uh, since the election are not, of course, the concerns of, um, all right, let me rephrase that are, are not new concerns for so much of, uh, or for so many in America. 
especially Native Americans and, and minority groups. And one thing that we've really tried to do in Dear America is is represent those voices as well. So we've got a really beautiful, powerful poem from Sherwin Bitsui or Robin Wall Kimmerer's amazing essay in here too. Uh, we have to acknowledge our history uh, in you know in America in a sort of a colonial sense, and I think that this book helps to do that a little bit. Good, good um, addendum there. And yeah, so let's talk about some just about anything else you want to point listeners to uh, resources and, and other other things that you want to share. Sure. Well, you know, uh, three of the resources um, who we uh, very much like and I would point people to and all of the proceeds uh, or the royalties, I should say, from the book go to are the um, Natural Resources Defense Council, the American Civil Liberties Union, and the Union of Concerned Scientists. And I think those three organizations, which have historically done an amazing job, really represent uh, what we're after and um, the the kind of good we can do in the world. So I would definitely point folks to those organizations who all have, uh, well, particularly NRDC and ACLU, local uh, offices in, in most you know large towns anyway, uh, where folks can kind of pitch in and lend a hand. Now, of course, pitching in is a different um, terminology today than it was six weeks ago. But we, you know, this too shall mm. pass. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so those are great resources online and off that I would point people to. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's talk about the importance of this presidential election and the kind of the relevance of of the Dear America guidebook in, uh, yeah, just kind of spurring us to action and helping us to kind of get, get to where we need to go. You know, I, I did find it fascinating and rather, uh, timely that the coronavirus response, uh, especially in regard, in relation to one in particular point, mail-in voting uh, versus kind of, uh, the debacle that we saw in the Wisconsin primaries and sorry, um, listeners, if, if you aren't familiar, yeah, there was some interesting developments where voters were actually forced to go to the polls during a pandemic when the Supreme court struck down right to mail and mail and ballots. Right. Yes. And there was such a, an, a fiery response, you know, from Ruth um, Bader Ginsburg on that, that is worth reading in and of itself just for its, literary and political value to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's talk about kind of, I don't know, like how do we keep from being disenfranchised and letting these partisan politics cloud the importance of getting out there and and voting? Man, that is one loaded question. (laughs) Sorry. You know, no, that's, that's, that's all right. Um, well, it is again, um, sort of, I think, echoing what Pam Houston said, you know, we have a mandate now to lead more radically meaningful lives, and we have to take an active role in that. And so we can't sit back and um, be okay with what's happening. Now, that doesn't mean we can change it overnight or right away, of, of course. I mean, the the Supreme Court decision was really a crime, but, um, you know, whether it's a letter writing campaign or, you know, texting using the resist bot service or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, it takes 
action, you know, sort of at the local level and and the more national level to to make a difference. Action speaks louder than words right now. And um, these words in this fantastic collection, Dear America, Letters of Hope, Habitat, Defiance, and Democracy will be available on Earth Day and uh, April 22nd. If you're catching this after then, um, I will put the links, obviously, into the show notes where you can find the book. You can find out more about it. Um, Of course, more over on terrain.org and lots of good stuff uh, upcoming as well. And uh, for for you, Simmons, uh, what's your next uh, project or next stop or next mission? Yeah, you know, um, it continues to be terrain.org um, means so much to me and, and, you know, sort of the community that we have and, and who we reach. So we'll continue to work on that. And then from a writing perspective, uh, I've got a few things in the works. I've, I've got a little collection of, of poems that I'm sort of, um, twirling around mostly in my head so far, but although that doesn't get him very far on, hmm. um, sort of electrophysiology and, and, um, the body and, and human spirit in, in a technological age. Wow. That sounds very compelling. I'll be interested to find out more about that. And, uh, yeah. Um, uh, one last shout out to dear America, letters of hope, habitat, defiance and democracy edited by our guest, Simmons button, Elizabeth Dodd and Derek. Sheffield and uh, Bill McKibben said, these letters come from a deep, real love of this place and they imagine willing, receptive readers on the other end. We need a series of miracles looking forward and this is one and I think uh, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Amen to that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and um, also thank you for uh, putting all of these fantastic voices into one place. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.